You are listening to a sermon by Pastor Christopher Sally of New Life Christian Fellowship Church. Uh, these essential relationships, again, this is one, oops, sorry, I got to start my timer. This is one way God's way. That's what we've been in, and we've talked about husbands and wives. We've talked about parents and children. We've talked about church leaders and church members, shepherd and sheep, and now I want to turn our attention to the workplace. Amen? Another important sphere in which we operate. Amen? You think about it, you spend more of your waking hours with those, those people than you do with your own family. If you really, you spend more of your waking hours. I mean, you're spending hopefully eight to ten hours sleeping, and, and then you got a, some time that you're traveling. But if you're spending that eight hours uh, a day, that's, that's the, who you're spending the majority of your, your time with. And why wouldn't God have an agenda for you where you spend the majority of your time? For so many years, we would think that there was a, 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 a wall, if you will, between what they call the sacred and the secular. That church work was church work, and if it happened in the church house, that's sacred. But once we leave these walls and, and once we go out these doors, that, that we're, not, we're not doing kingdom work anymore. That, that just can't be, can't be true because there is, there is a vineyard that's here in the, what you call the sacred sphere, if you want to call it that. But the kingdom of God is, is everywhere, and, and he has an agenda for us at work. Amen? And we talked about, just for review, <clears throat> we talked about core roles and, and core responsibilities. and co- Excuse me, core roles and core responses. Amen? I told you before, you could check your notes, I would hope that a core role is an essential function that God has given to an individual to fulfill in a particular relationship. And the core response is the necessary response that God requires of an individual in order to encourage and enable someone to fulfill their role. Excuse me. Mike is turning against me. Amen. So for, for husbands, I said that their core role was what? Servant leadership, that's the core role of a husband. The core role of a wife is help, amen. She is to be a help suitable, amen. The core response to the wife's help that the husband gives is praise. The core response to the, wife, uh, to the husband's uh, servant leadership is submission. And if, if, you, if you cross that thing up right, it'll be right, amen. Parents and children, core role of a parent is training, Train up a child. It's the core role. The core role of a, of a child, believe it or not, is obedience. Amen. That's that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to obey. Amen. I know that that may come as a shock to 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 some, but it, again, it's we're to obey. Our, our our response to their obedience as parents is to encourage them. Amen. Don't exasperate your children. Let's make it easy for them to follow. Amen. So it's encouragement. And then the core response to the parents training is honor. That's what the children are. supposed honor your father and mother that your days may be long. Amen. We're right there in Ephesians chapter six, verses one through four, as it relates to that. For pastors, <clears throat> I told you that the core role of a pastor is oversight. 
Amen. Given that responsibility, myself and Pastor Mark here at this at this uh, assembly is it's it's oversight. That's what we're supposed to provide. That's our core role. The core role of members is ministry. Amen. We're supposed to be out and doing. Amen. We, you're not supposed to be pew sitting. You and I are supposed to be doing the work that God has called us to do, preparing those to enter into the kingdom, bringing the message of reconciliation, all of those kinds of things, doing ministry. That's our job as members. Uh, the the uh, core response that you should be making to our oversight is support. You're supposed to support your pastors. That's what Hebrews 13 says. Make, make, make my job easy. Don't make my heart, my job hard. So let me do it with, let me do it with what the scripture says with joy. Amen. That, that, that's what I want. I want to be able to do it with joy. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you consider their, their, their uh, life and their, and their outcome is what it says in, in Hebrews chapter, chapter 13. Excuse me, I meant to read uh, verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work may be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. Amen. Amen. So support is important. I think it's good. this one might be getting ready to go. I might need to switch these batteries. Um, <clears throat> And, your, and my, our response to the ministry that the church gives is fidelity. Amen. Fidelity meaning we need to uh, be able to tell you, follow me as I follow Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Making your job easier because you see what we want you to be. Amen. Just like with parents, you've got to be in a position where it's, it's uh visible amen so we need to have high fidelity high faithfulness to what god has called us to do collectively and be able to conform to it so that you'll be able to conform to it as well and then last but not least as we as we and i just you know is this is the the last section that we'll deal with i just wanted to let you know it it kind of flows in the in the same way with husbands and wives, parents and children, pastors, members, employers, employees. It's not really, it's really not slaves and masters. I know that it can feel that way sometimes at your job. How many times have you said, they're not going to work me like a Hebrew slave? I always say Hebrew slave, but they ain't going to work me like a slave. But um, employers, guess what employers, their, their core, their core uh, role is? They provide opportunity. Literally, that's what employers provide. They provide an opportunity for you to provide for your family, an opportunity for you to plug in, use your skills and your talents, whatever you have uh, trained yourself to do. When you can find a job that, uh, that you get, it allows you to put into place, hopefully, the, the skills and talents and abilities to be able to maximize them. Sometimes you are in places that, that uh, you can't do everything that you've been trained to do. You're underemployed uh, in, in that regard or underutilized, but, but there is an opportunity, and, and there's an opportunity that's there for you because they have taken some risk, put some stuff in the marketplace, hopefully, as a, as a public company or a private company or even a government agency, that there's been a provision that has been made and so that provision is that there's opportunity amen I know it doesn't feel like it but that's what is really happening amen it's gonna get worse for you if you can't say amen to that amen 
Okay, it's, it'll just be worse. Fine. Okay, and then what do you support? What's your core role that you're supposed to to uh, uh, do at, at work? In exchange for that, I mean, it's, it's opportunities what the employer provides. The employee is supposed to provide, dear God, productivity. Dear God, the employee is supposed to provide productivity. We'll get we'll get to that because uh, clearly. Clearly, just the way we get down, that there, we know how it's supposed to work. That's all I've done. Let me, let me at least say what God is saying is supposed to happen before we get to what we see. Amen? They provide opportunity. We provide productivity. And what is, is the response that an employee is supposed to have to the opportunity? Respect. We're supposed to respect the fact that we are able to earn a living we are supposed to respect the fact that provision has been made so that we can be productive and what do we expect what should be the core response to our productivity what are we looking for from an employer fairness we want things to be fair i want my work to be recognized i don't want to be held back i don't want to be held down if you have set a standard for things i want you to uh, apply that standard fairly i don't want to be uh, underwaged or anything like that so again it is an exchange of opportunity and respect productivity and fairness and when it works it works and when it doesn't it doesn't and so Sometimes it doesn't work. And so I, I've, I've got a series of, of music clips that we're going to play right now. And I, I'm assuming that once I play all of these clips, I will have hit your job situation at some point. Amen. Th this, this, this first job situation, and I, and I think of, I think of the, 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 the brothers when, 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 I, when I think of this, but this, this might be your, play, play that first clip. This might be how you think about your job. Morning, we make it, for we see it, you take it. Anybody say it. Your job that might be your job and it can it can change you can pick a different theme song depending on the week depending on the season but sometimes you look at the people at your job and the situation you in and you just want to light a, a cool menthol and smoke and listen to Marvin Gaye and say that makes me want to holler the way they do my life this ain't living this this is scratching and surviving but this ain't living all right for those that are from the from the from the from the 80s a little a little bit of old school hip-hop this this might be what you think of your job as you re reflect on your situation play that next clip Amen. You might think it's just an exchange of money, but it's hard times. I hate that job. Hard times. A spreading just like the flu. Watch out, homeboy. It might get you. <laughs> 
Now, this next, this next song is particularly for those that have been born, reared, or still in the corporate environment. You're shuffling. You're shuffling for the man. Tears of class. Now, why would it be tears of a clown? Because there were times, that, and I think about this, particularly I'd be on the phone with Pastor Tyrus and you'd be at work, and, and we call it, you could tell what we call it getting on stage. You could be in your office having a regular relaxed conversation, and then, and then Whitey comes in. And you can just, you can just feel your, you can just feel your butt cheeks get tight. They just get, they get tight. Your voice raises. Hey, hi, Jim. Hi, how are you doing? We're, no, 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 just nothing. Just finishing up a conversation. I say, he, somebody just walked in. Yep, 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 somebody, yep, yep. Okay, no, I'll get that right to you. Yeah, that's, that's what we call being on stage. You're, 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 you're performing. You got to keep that, that mask on. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and it reminds me also of that Paul Lawrence Dunbar, we wear the mask that grins and lies, that hides our cheeks and shades our eyes, this debt we pay to human gal with torn and bleeding hearts we smile and mouth with myriad subtleties. Why should the world be overwise in counting all our tears and sighs? Nay, let them only see us while we wear the mask. We smile, but oh, great Christ, the cries to thee from tortured souls arise. We sing, but oh, the clay is vile beneath our feet and long the mile, but let the world dream otherwise while we wear the mask. Amen. Sometimes we are just pretending to do. And again, they, they, the scripture talks about that pretending when, when, when the eye is, when the eye is on you, then you, then you get on stage. Then you put your, you put your mask on and you make everybody think everything is okay. And so that could be your theme song. It's the tears of a clown. Amen. You up there trying to keep your, keep yourself together. But Smokey said, it's nothing sadder than the tears of a clown. Now, maybe this might be be your work situation as we play this next clip. any backstabbers at their job y'all were going for the same promotion you going for the same thing and and somebody put a little dirt out on you and they trying to shade you a little bit they they running behind your back giving bad reports bad information they smiling come on somebody in your face all the while i wish they take he said, just take some of these knives out my back. You can leave a few in, but please take some of the knives. You might be dealing in a work situation where you have some backstabbers. Now, this next situation is for those who prayed for a job. 
It was a good job. You, it, was, it was awesome. You even praised God for this job when you got it. But now this is how you feel. It's like that, but there's sometimes where you just don't want to be at work. This next one is especially dedicated in my mind to the teachers. This is anybody that has to get up and get into a classroom. I think you would pump yourself up by listening to this song. Listen, I think of t that's how I think they have to pump themselves up before y'all not going to drive me crazy in here. These little crazy kids and all the stuff you're doing, I will survive. As long as I know how to love, I know I stay alive. I got all my love to give. Amen. Now, this, this is where you may end up being when it's really, I want to say, it's, it's, it's over. You, 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 you hate the people. You hate the job. You're looking for another one. This is the only reason that you're showing up to work right now. <laughs> Don't you be late one time. Don't, I don't want to hear no issues about my check. I don't want to be here. All I'm here for is, it's the money. Has anybody ever been there where it's like, no, if, if it wasn't for the fact they're paying me, I don't care nothing about skills, abilities. I don't care nothing about this corporate mission, what we're trying to do, this report, this, this grant we're trying to, I don't care about none of it. Just give me my money. And this last one is where God wants you to be. This is where you need to understand that this is a, there's a bigger purpose for work than you might even imagine. When life's so strong and so giving you the best that I got. You better know who you is. 
sorry, not sorry, but we're going to look at this passage and find out that you need to be giving him the best that you've got for the benefit of everybody else at work. This is not about them. This is between you and your God. And he says, I require you to give me the best. And you got to make a determination, just like Anita Baker did, that you're going to give him the very best that you've, that you've got. Amen? You got to give him the very best that you got. got. It should be in a, in a perfect world, in a kingdom world, if we're doing our jobs. This, that should be, listen. Christians should be the very best employees to hire by reputation. Should be. It should be that that would be something that we should be able to put on our resume. References, follower of Jesus Christ. Uh-oh, wait a minute, because when, when I've hired other followers of Jesus Christ, I get the very best. They, they, they do what they, they say they're going to do. They do it wholeheartedly. There, there is a special uh, uh, way that they approach work and, and their attitude and their actions and everything. Every Christian I've hired, every person that has claimed to be a kingdom person, if they claim to be a kingdom person, they are the very best employees. And if I ask them why, they may even tell me it's I'm, I'm glad I'm here and I'm, I, I understand what the exchange is but I have a greater responsibility to God and I'm going to always give him the best that I got because I understand that regardless of who signs my check that's who I work for that's who I've always worked for and that's who I always will work for Sometimes people don't want to hear that. I remember very early on in my uh, tenure at Greenfield Partners, this is back in the, the late 90s, there came a time that I had to let the founding partner know when it came to the year-end bonus situation and some things we were discussing, he did not like me to tell him, I'm not... You, you, you actually think you control the economics of things, and you do in a limited sphere, but I'm not looking to you to determine what I get and what I don't get while I'm at this job. I work, I work with you, but I don't work for you. I work for him. And you should, be, you should be glad that I do because that means that no matter what you do, it doesn't change my disposition. It's not supposed to. It doesn't change my outlook, my perspective, or my effort, or my productivity. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do regardless of whether you pay me what I'm supposed to be paid or do whatever. But I, I would, I would t and I told him, I said, I would not want to be you messing with one of God's servants' money. I, I, I'll say that. That's the part he didn't like. I said, I don't work for you. But if I were you, I'd make sure you, you took care of God's anointed. That, that was a tough conversation. He was quiet. He did not like that. I, re I remember that day. And I, I don't actually think I got what I deserved either, but uh, 
anyway, that's neither here nor there. All right. I just wanted, I just wanted us to, to kind of level set just a little bit. And, of course, this is going to be a, 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 a two-part kind of exploration. It might even be a three-part exploration at this point. But I just wanted to kind of set the scene that regardless of if your job makes you want to holler, regardless of whether you feel like it's hard times, regardless of whether you do have the tears of a clown or you've got backstabbers at your job or the love is gone or all you can do is say, I will survive, or you're just there for the love of money, God wants to move you from make me want to holler all the way to giving him the best that you've got. Amen. And even though this passage in, in Ephesians chapter six is talking about slaves and masters, again, the broader application for us today has everything to do with employers and employees. But particularly for for us as African-Americans, I'll say this. The setup when, when, when we see these passages like in Ephesians six and we see. Uh, I want to say First Peter 2, and we see Colossians 3, and we hear discussions about slaves and masters. I know I, I cringe a little bit. I cringe because I know historically how these passages have been used to further selfish means, particularly to exploit the, the, the labor of black bodies in particular. You know that you, you know that this is when nobody else can read that this is this is where this passage will stop and start. It's like slaves obey your masters. You know that that be, that becomes where where it is. And 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 I want to say it like this. I don't want to say unfortunately, but scripture does not condemn the institution institution of slavery. But clearly it doesn't condone the institution of slavery. I personally wish there were some some stronger statements that are, are being made by the by the about the institution. But we can get where we need to go as we look overarchingly at what Scripture is saying about the institution of slavery. Even even in I think it's is it First Corinthians. Shoot, it's not in First Corinthians six. Where is it? I just was looking at this yesterday. I'll find it in a minute. Oh, it's First Corinthians. It's First Corinthians seven. E even when you see the Apostle Paul talking uh, to the to the uh, Corinthians, and he says, "Nevertheless, each one should retain the place in life that the Lord assigned to him." He said, "He he says it, it was was he a man already circumcised when he was called? Then don't become uncircumcised. Was he uncircumcised? Then don't be circumcised." He says, "Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is is nothing. Were you a slave when you were called? Don't let it trouble you." But he does say, "The although if you can gain your freedom, do so." You know, that's, that's of all the other things that the Apostle Paul is saying, stay where you are. If you're unmarried, stay unmarried. If you're married. But the one thing he says, if you are a slave, if you can, if you can get down and get your freedom, do so. And so we, 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 we kind of see that. We also know, obviously, when you talk about uh, uh, slavery and you talk about, um, uh, uh, you, you talk about it from, from the perspective of uh, Equality in the body of Christ it is neither slave nor free or male or woman uh, or a Jew or Gentile, that there's an equality of God. We also understand, obviously, that we're created in the image of God. So, again, any institution that that would that would exploit that or make us to be less than human 
obviously is something that the Bible is 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 saying as as you look at it thematically throughout Scripture that that there is a there is a problem if you try to destroy the dignity of somebody else that's created in God's image. Amen. The practical reality is, and the relevance of the passages, that the, the slave world, there was an estimate that when the Apostle Paul wrote this, there were nearly 30, uh, nearly 60 million slaves in the Roman Empire. About one third of the population was slaves. And again, the practice of the institution was was different than the chattel slavery that we're talking about, but still it is an, an institution where the, the Apostle Paul had to kind of uh, address this, and, but it has, it has application now when you talk about labor and management, employers and employees, workmen and supervisors, and again, as I said, slavery is not condemned, but it's not condoned in Scripture because there's a doctrine of equality in Christ, come on somebody, the reflection of God's image in all uh, that's in all humanity, and that's what helped to undo the institution. Ultimately, the people of God knew this thing is not supposed to continue. This thing is not supposed to be, and there is a lordship of Christ over all other institution as his lordship says you need to be subordinate subordinate to me so in the kingdom again there can't be a concept called slavery chattel slavery but there is a broader concept of slavery in the kingdom and it's in Romans chapter 6 and here's where it's interesting here's where we're going here's where we're headed he says in Romans chapter 6 and verse 20, when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did it reap you at the time to, to, to uh, pursue those things that which, of which you're now ashamed? But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life, for the wages of sin is death, and the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So again, there is this, this understanding that the Apostle Paul says if you're free, if you're, if you're literally living as a slave in the Roman Empire, don't sweat that. Don't sweat that. If you can get your freedom, get your freedom. But he said the bigger reality is if, if you can't understand that you think you're free and you may even have slaves you better understand you're actually not free you have been freed from sin so, sin so that you can now become a slave to righteousness you are God's slave so again he's saying you you have to understand the overarching things it's not that we need to remove the insti that institution and its practice right now but you have to come to an understanding where you realize that you are God's slave if you want to be if you want to talk about slavery talk about the slavery to righteousness the slavery to God as he freed you you now have making a conscious choice to become a slave of righteousness and that is not what folks want to do and that's not what folks want to hear people like to believe that they're free to do whatever they want to do that that's i mean myself included you included you want to be able to say i'm 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 free. I make my own choices. I do what I want to do. And, and, and God has said over and over in his word, that's just not how that thing works. 
slaves, submit yourself to your masters with all respect, not only to those who do good and are considerate, but to those who are harsh. For it is commendable for a man to, to bear up under the pain of unconscious suffering. It's what it says in, in 1 Peter chapter 2. Again, there is this, this, this constant uh, affirmation, this constant encouragement around how you are supposed to interact uh, as if, if you are in that particular uh, institution, if you're in that particular situation, excuse me, situation. And so I just wanted you to just put it in a broader context that, again, that, that we're, all, we're all supposed to be slaves, but not slaves to another man, but a slave to God. And, we, and that enslavement, beloved, is an enslavement that we're supposed to willingly undertake to be slaves of God and slaves of righteousness. And so we'll, we'll stop talking about that language now and really start thinking about it as just work. Amen? And I just wanted us to be able to not shudder and, 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 and see that passage and, and have the, the kind of reaction that I know I, I have when I, every time I start talking about slaves and masters, it just... It, makes, it just makes me a little uncomfortable. <laughs> Amen? But, but, but the broader application for us is that we're talking about work. And work, beloved, has always been in the plan of God. Work has what? Always been in the plan of God. Go back in your Bible, and this is where we'll conclude. We're not going to really dig into the passage. It's always been in the plan of God. If, Genesis chapter 2 verse 15 says the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Egypt Egypt the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it amen Genesis chapter 2 he put man in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it and so you see even before the fall happened God gave Adam a job work was always in the plan of job uh, the plan of God. Matter of fact, as you can see in terms of order, Adam had a job before he had a wife. Amen. If you're trying to find a wife and you don't have a job, I suggest that you stop your wife search and you pick up a want ad or you get on Indeed, or you do something else, and you pick up in, in Glassdoor or whatever we, we, we you're looking at now, and you find yourself a J-O-B, because a man should have a job before he has a wife. Amen? Because work was always in the plan of God. Work is not a consequence of, of sin. It's like by the sweat of your brow now will things happen. But God said, I always wanted you to get in on what I was doing. I always thought of it as participatory. I wanted you to take care of the garden and dress it and keep it so man had a job. And again, <clears throat> um, the problems in the workplace like any other venue those problems are not economic problems those problems are spiritual problems everything is a spiritual problem and when you're a kingdom person we are able to derive a spiritual solution for a come on somebody spiritual problem so we understand the things that are happening in the workplace the things that we see that we don't like that cause the hard times that cause the the love to be gone that cause the backstabbers and and all the things that we have to deal with those are spiritual problems those are not just economic problems and 
you have to understand this. Work is about more than money. It's about more than money. Again, God did not design a venue where you are going to spend the majority of your waking hours and none of it counts towards the kingdom. You're kingdom building wherever you go. You're supposed to be laying up treasure in heaven where moth and rust don't consume and thieves don't break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You can't do that just hanging around just God's people. So there is a mandate that God has for, for you and for me to get out into the marketplace and do marketplace ministry. There is a vineyard that is there. God has an expectation around how he wants us to respond. And he says, in that venue, I need you to give me the best that you have got. It has purpose and benefit for you. It has purpose and benefit for your family. But it also has purpose and benefit for the kingdom. And when you look at Ephesians chapter 6, as we will the next time we're together, we're going to see that there are really two things that God is saying that we should do as workers in that vineyard. There are two things that we need to do. And interestingly enough, it's the same two things that he requires from us wherever we are. Obey and serve. Passage will walk it straight down. Spend a little time with it if you want before we get to it next week. Obey and serve. Boy, that sounds familiar. Yeah. He's consistent like that. Yeah. Yeah, I want you to obey and serve. Yeah. Yeah, everywhere. Because you're working for me no matter where you are. You're building up fruit no matter where you are. This is kingdom. This is about the kingdom no matter if it's parents and children or husbands and wives and church and, and, and sheep and shepherd and then workplace with employers and employees it's all about kingdom building and that theme is the same it keeps coming back over and over and over i want you to obey i want you to serve father in the name